TV championship will be on the line February 20th. I know you're going to be ready. Concentration is a key to success, Steiner, and it's something you can't do because you're too stupid. Real soon, I'm going to get a chance to get my belt back, and I'll promise you this. I will. I'll beat you, and I'll get the title back, pal. Legion of Doom, what's that mean to you? Look at my eyes. You see any fear? You see any fear in Dr. Death's eyes? It's real clear. Hawk, animal, I like to get beat on. We're going to get those massive bodies of yours, and we're going to beat on you real good. You're the roughest. You say you guys are the toughest. Let's see how rough, let's see how tough you are. You want to snatch on danger, and you want to dine on death? You're going to dine on death. You know something, Kevin and Mike and Jim? Chicago, you've been starving for great athletes. McMahon, Perry Williams, he can't tie our shoes. We know what to be. We know what it takes to be great athletes. You guys have been bullies a long time on the block. Well, here is the team you've got to beat up. Thank you, gentlemen. That's quite it. I don't want this to get out of hand. This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest stars in the world revolve on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the exclusive execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in In Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man. to the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven. And you know, I would say what's going on to some other ites, but you know what? They're on a ban. They're on a timeout because he hasn't done what I, what the bus have wanted him to do. So you are on a timeout. I'm treating you like a like one of those white parents putting their kids in the corner with a timeout, but neither here nor there. But this is the most nostalgic podcast here on the Podbean streams. This is the most nostalgic wrestling podcast in all of podcasting. It is the PWR podcast here at the PWR Networks at Podbean.com. And, you know, I'm very animated right now with my voice. But if you are seeing this on the YouTube, if a track from the Dirty Southern City has uploaded this, sometimes I'm told I am frozen. I am frozen in time, but no, I'm not frozen. The mouth is moving, the lips are moving, but you might not see it. 
on the YouTubes, but it's okay. But as long as you hear this oh-so-studious voice, as long as you hear this oh-so-magnanimous voice, but as long as you hear this oh-so-glorious voice, it's all worth it. And you know what? My name used to be the Professor Chabeva Cruz, but for the Reflectionites, it's going to take a little getting used to even for the Professor. But I put my application in for the maximum male models. So if I get that going, you must now call me El, Profo El Profesora Chabel de la Croix. Remember that. Professora Chabel de la Croix. It's going to work because I'm going to be the best French model that Max Dupree has ever had in the maximum male models. But it's not about me. It's about my partner in crime. I don't know what his male model name is going to be, but for the time being, he will let you know. He will let the Reflectionites know. He will let the Magnificent Seven know. He will let Greenpeace know. He will let TA, TNA Coupon know. He will let John McHugan know. He will let Donna Destruction know. He will let Phyllis Scott Wood know. But he is your friend and mine. Mr. Dum Dum doing it in its own. The Iron Stomach one. The conservative liberal. The liberal conservative Dr. Frankenstein. Tommy Wonder. So, Tommy, T.W., what is your maximum male model name going to be? You don't already first, know mine. First, we got to just burst your bubble. What? He's shortening names. He's not fucking making them 17 words long. Your name would be, and I'm disappointed that you didn't say it. I'm like, oh, there you Professor would be your name. That's it. Mansour, Passe, Professor. And I'd be Wonder. That's it. That's Wanda? it. Wanda? Das okay. Wonder. Das gotta, Wonder. Das I Wonder. Das. I just need Wonder. The wonder. You gotta put the French twist to Tudor. Tudor. But you know the Tudor. You know the Professora Chabelo no, de la no, it's, It no, rings out the tongue. First of all, A is feminine, so you'd be Professoro. Not Professora, unless you're trying to tell us something. It's the pronouns. It's the pronouns. Don't worry about it. It's all about the pronouns. <laughs> By the way, you see me in my Shawn Michaels invitation? Oh, yeah. I see I see the hat. I see the... Oh, I see the Adam Cole shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees. Adam Cole, yeah. USA Bay Bay. Yeah. That's a, good, that's a good one. I like that one. I might have it, to get that one. Let me, let me give everybody out there listening a bit of advice. I, in hindsight, should have done two things. This shit is snug. It's XL. I should have got XXL. And it's not much, it's not more money for an XSL like some sites. But also, pay the extra two dollars, it might be three, for the soft shirt. This is the stiff regular ass t-shirt. It's gonna shrink when I wash it. And I'm cut the sleeves off like Adam Cole does. I'm keeping anything I play, and I'm never gonna wear it all. But I'm gonna wear this shit. But anyways, uh, and I ordered on June uh, 30th, I believe, was that damn episode of Dynamite, and it didn't come for three weeks. And I didn't know that. You told me you knew, but I didn't know that. But I definitely, it's good. I would buy from Pro Wrestling Tees again. As a matter of fact, I got my first Adam Cole shirt from Hot Topic. Um, they right. mailed it to me. And that's the regular shirt, but it's soft. It's not the soft shirt. You know what I'm talking about when I say soft mm -hmm. shirt? The you mean like the cotton, the cotton material they use on that shirt? No, this is cotton. The, uh, okay. the soft shirt is like polyester, or maybe it's the other way around. It might be soft cotton. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you paid it. It says plus $2 or plus $3. Look, you're already fucking spending $25 on a t-shirt. It's already overpriced. Why not do 28 
catch them when they got the 15% off, 20% off, which my dumbass did and forgot to put the code in, so I didn't get the 20% off. But I, mm-hmm. which is which makes me glad I didn't buy the damn soft shirt because then I that would have been even 30 or 40 cents more, I would say, or, or 80 or 100, whatever, 100 cents. But anyways, I love the shirt and I would buy it from Burns. Yeah. You learn and you grow. So you'll learn yeah. for your next Adam Cole shirt. Like or you will learn for your Cole. your next Young Buck shirt. That's what you're going to do with My next Young Buck shirt, it's so awesome. Because it would be the fucking first one I ever had. Because I'm never going to own one. That's going to be my next one. That's my next one. Don't 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 worry, Reflection Nice. He's, he's, it, it's, it's baby steps. He's going to love AEW. And every PWR episode, he's going to be revving and representing AEW to the fullest. But we're not talking about AEW right now. We are going back in the time machines, TW. We are going back into the, the nostalgic time machines as we do what we do best. The pro wrestling spotlight. And like I said, it was apropos that we would do something, you know, pay homage to an under, I don't know, would you say that this is an underrated faction? Because, you know, if we do, like, top tens, right? I know they're not top fives, but at least if we, if we do a top ten, I don't even think that he, they would even make it on anybody's top ten list unless you're right. A, a homer, or B, or, or an NWA fan. Let me just say, are we, are before, we wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. Let me just say what I'm going to say, and then I'll let you... uh spiel back. I just say, I don't think a lot of, well, you know, a lot of fans 40 years into watching wrestling might not put them on their top 10, but we have to get the devil it's due from 88 to 89, which that it was their biggest run. They made an indelible mark in the world of professional wrestling, in the world of the National Wrestling Alliance, and we're going to talk about the Varsity Club, which, co- which consisted the original trio consisted of the games master Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotunda representing Syracuse University, and of course the dog-faced gremlin Rick Steiner representing the University of Michigan. Go ahead, TW. What, what are you going to say about the top ten issue? It, a, depends on what you consider a faction. and Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not, like, is the, are the, the Freebirds are probably a faction because they ended up having Jimmy Garvin also, besides Buddy Roberts. You know what I mean? It's like a, mm-hmm. a legacy type thing. So I would say they were a faction because they were more than just a tag team. They were trios, you know, six man tag. They were in. They were individual wrestlers. They were tag wrestlers. Uh, any two could tag at any time. Like Gordy mm-hmm. and Hayes could be going for the tag belts. Why? Why Buddy Jack was challenging one of the Von Ericks for one of them belt belts. So. I would say they're there, but obviously one and two, I would think we would agree on Horseman, DX, mm-hmm. NWL. Two of those three are one and two. I would, I personally would say DX and Horseman because I, well, to be fair to NWO, to be the fair, kinda, the Horseman kind of went that route too in the end by having everybody and their brother in the damn group. But the original four, up to. Mm-hmm. The original oh, run of the Horsemen right, can never right. be you know, undenied. Came back. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the 80s Horsemen until mm-hmm. Flair left in 92. So, so Ole, Arn, Tully, Flair, um, Arn, Tully, Lex, uh, Flair, um, and then Wyndham replacing Luger. Mm-hmm. Those three, and I also like Sid in there. I think he replaced Tully. Wasn't it Wyndham Sid? That, that was that was the nineteen ninety version of the of the horseman, which you know we, we can talk about. But again, 
I'll take it because that to me is the last good version of him. As much as I like Benoit, as much as I like Pillman, as much as I like, I did like uh, Paul Roma too, but just not as horseman. I, Mm -hmm. I have good memories of Sid as a horseman, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that version of the horseman, any of those, you know, eight guys or however many there is total when you add them all up, that's a good one. DX, either version. My favorite is the original China, Sean, and, Mm -hmm. uh, Hunter and, and Rick Rude. And then when they... When you're, giving, left, you're, you're giving the the same credence with the Varsity Club because even though with the original trio, then they added Dr. Death, right. and we'll talk about that later. And and, right. and and the wheels kept turning in a positive right. light. I get you. I, I totally well, get what you. What I'm saying that. is you got DX, NWO, you got... Um, I, I would put the Hart Foundation in there. The, the one with the Brett is a good guy in Canada, bad guy. Like Brett, Bulldog, Nightheart, and Owen. That mm-hmm. you know, isn't our fifth guy, Pillman. That I didn't say Pillman. Shit, I did not say Pillman. So those five is an awesome. Uh, I, I personally don't consider Legion of Doom might have been a fucking click or whatever, but to me, the Legion of Doom was always Animal Hawk and Ellering. I have zero memories of Jake the Snake and Bundy being with them. So for me, eh, I don't. I don't call them. Would you call the Russians a faction? There were three of them. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Yeah, you, um, could, uh, you could do the Heenan family. You could do the Devastation Incorporated. You, you could do a Dangerous do Alliance. A, Dangerous Alliance, Alliance, under underrated. But um, again, as long as the, the the wheels keep turning in a positive light, yes, the Varsity Club. Should I think they get, make ten. I think they make ten. They just, maybe they, they make just five. make ten because yeah. of what they do. So with that there, being to me, said, they're no. ahead of. Um, the one you just said, uh, the Russians. They're ahead of the Russians for sure because every match I watch, someone had a belt, and at some points, multiple guys had belts. My only knock on them is, um, as the, and I'm sure they explained it back then, and I was too young to fucking figure it out. It was probably too, too nuanced for me. But Kevin Sullivan still being dark, I guess the logic was that he took over these pure all-American wrestlers and put a dark side on them. I don't know, but I prefer it. And there's a match that we watch where Kevin Sullivan's out there just in gear and a towel like Coach. Mm-hmm. Remember right. Coach used to come out with Mr. Perfect? Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I I like Coach the idea. I didn't like the whistle. I didn't like that they made him annoying. But, you, of course, he's a heel. You made him annoying. But I like Kevin Sullivan out there just with the towel where he's like, the college you know, coach, the, college the football coach. coach. But yeah. but to him is the dark guy with him. It just it never made sense to me. But I think the original three were missing something. Adding Doctor Death nailed it. And then I'm not going to spoil it. And you didn't. That's cool. That's cool because it's the last match we watched. As I'm thinking to myself, I think there was one more guy. And mm-hmm. what happens? You have me watch the match, and that's where the other guy comes in, and he wasn't there long. The wheels yeah. fell off the bus after that, but I believe his school is Florida Gators. Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, it was Georgia Bulldogs? Yeah. I didn't know Goldberg was in the damn varsity club. Shit. No, not him, but we'll talk about him <laughs> when we get to uh, into the 89. But just like T.W. said about the, uh, the presentation of the varsity club, if you will, the leader of the varsity club was games master Kevin Sullivan. And, you know, T.W., it's funny. Let, let's talk about Games Master Kevin Sullivan for a second because, you know, his reputation, you know, 
of being dark, of, of being like a Satan worshiper. And the funny thing is in the 80s, he was very much relegated in championship wrestling from Florida. His main feud over there in Florida was against Dusty Rhodes and Blackjack Mulligan and stuff like that. And even Barry Windham, you know, with Mulligan and Windham usually teaming up. So Sullivan already had a reputation of what he did. He he had this, he brought the snakes. He had woman by his side. He had like angel of death kind of wrestling characters. So he was very dark and demonic. It was a very, you know, NC-17 Dungeon of Doom before it got watered down in 1995 for Monday night Monday Nitro purposes. Now he goes to the Carolinas. He goes to Jim Crockett Promotions on a more full-time basis because he was kind of shuffling between Florida and the Carolinas in Florida. the 80s. So now 87, 88 rolls around, and now Games Master Kevin Sullivan, he refines his image. He's still dark. He's still, you know, a crazy SOB. But he, he it's funny the way you said it, the presentation. He's so dark and demonic, but then he kind of turns two all-American boys into dark demonic minions, if you will. But the funny thing about Mike Rotunda and Rick Steiner was they needed ga Games Master Kevin Sullivan because the presentation worked. Because if we look at... Mike Rotunda first. His reputation preceded him too. Every time I ever heard of a Mike Rotunda match, whether he was tag teaming with Barry Windham, whether he was tag teaming with Dan Spivey with the U.S. Express, whether he was fighting, you know, singles matches, the the ring and the the color commentators, the play-by-play -play guys like Gordon Soley or Jim Ross or Tony Schiavone, always acknowledged his college credentials. Always talked about that University of Syracuse success. Same thing with with Rick Stein. Jim Ross had an affinity for talk about wrestlers with college degrees and college educations, and it, actually, it added to their resume. But the one thing we have to be honest, T.W., is both Mike Rotunda and Rick Steiner before joining the Varsity Club didn't have the it factor. Maybe Rick Steiner because he was more of a bruiser. We talked about that with the Steiner's pro, uh, pro wrestling spotlight. But for damn sure, Mike Rotunda had the the wrestling techniques, he had the in-ring stuff, but he just didn't have the charisma. What say you about, you know, meshing the All-American boys and turning them into demonic minions, which worked? You might have said the presentation is weird, but it kind of worked for the purpose. Uh, well, you, you you don't have to have a demonic guy be the guy. You have anybody be the coach to coach him up, but um, I I... I started watching wrestling right when the cigar incident happened, right? So mm -hmm. Wyndham and Rotunda get the cigar. Wyndham goes. I want to say Spidey replaced them, and Wyndham was in the audience when Spidey and Rotunda won the belts back from – she could – no, BK. No, Wyndham, Wyndham left. Just right, outright then, left. Right. And Spidey left. was just a replacement. But, but there was a match where Wyndham was at ringside with a patch on – rooting on he was in the audience he wasn't in the you know like he wasn't that might in the be corner. a Man mandela effect because I, I never saw that but go ahead. <laughs> i but but anyway and then he was gone and then starship spiesby became fucking the new guy which is ironic right so uh spoiler alert but um i i liked rotunda but even like i would say maybe you'd agree mike rotunda as part of u.s express 
And I think him and Spivey were the American Express. They changed it from U.S. to American. Or whatever. No, it was the but same anyway. thing. It was, it was the WWE trademark, so they kept it. Right. So he was very blasé like Rick Martel, AWA world champion. Like yeah. almost the same look, just not Rick, – Rick Martel is a stocky dude. He just – he looked like a college athlete or, or at least mm-hmm. was a college athlete and grew up. But he was definitely underrated. I loathe the IRS gimmick. But I love that Mike Rotunda made lemonade out of lemons, right? Mm-hmm. And even more so, I like that – because if you recall, and I want to say it's after the Varsity Club, Rotunda becomes Captain Mike Rotunda, and he's teaming with Norman the Lunatic. Like, it's yeah. just – the bottom has fallen out on this motherfucker. No, it wasn't. It he, wasn't Norm. It wasn't Norman. It was Abdullah the Butcher. Right. Don't get me Norman. Then Norman. It was like an oddities deal. Yeah. But but anyhow, the bottom had fallen out, and that's when he became IRS. Which he's probably thinking, "Holy fuck! I thought I was bad WCW, but here I am." Uh, but the fact that he went back and became Michael Wall Street, and still basically was IRS. I I love that because he knew what buttered his bread. There's Many IRS action figures. There are none of Mike Rotunda before or after he became IRS. You know, mm-hmm. Michael Wall Street. But I, I like him, and you nailed it. His missing ingredient was charisma. Uh, but I, I, I think sometimes a guy like that, if he could talk, we would say he had charisma. He just couldn't talk. Right. People wanted to cheer for him. You know, there's another guy like that. Like, I loved him. He had it. He just could not talk. Therefore, he never got over was Brad Armstrong. He was there was just something about him like you got behind him, and then when he talked, it was just oh shucks, my daddy's bullet bothered. All right, I'll see you at the Omni, and then he'd mm-hmm. leave. Woo! And it was just he just it was nothing. It was a nothing burger every time he talked. But when he was Arachna Man, when he was Bad Street, all that shit, he moved like Spider Man. He he to me, Brad Armstrong untapped potential. But no, I, I get Rotunda was was the same way. Yeah. But First, he didn't speak. He didn't speak problem. French like uh, Rick Martel, though. He right. spoke perfect English, but, but his just look. Boring. He was just boring. Uh, you know, yeah. no, nothing against Mike Rotunda. I respect Mike Rotunda, Reflectionites. But before, you know, when he put on the colors of Syracuse University's college wrestling team, his look is plain: black trunks, knee pads, black boots, yep. all that stuff. And even the U.S. Express, you know, he had a little color with it. They had the star. He had the star in his butt. No homo. I was. I saw it. But <laughs> that's it. That was the only flair for Mike Rotunda. But when he joined in 1988, T.W., it clicked because he had the look. But also, he didn't have to speak that long. He didn't have to carry the promo to the next right. event, the next match, the next feud. He could say, but, like, 30 seconds. Which is ironic. Was that? That's that's what got IRS over was him talking. Yeah, he 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 just took it and ran like he just hit a hit a a wall and said fuck it I gotta talk and then just did horrible Buddy, outfit. But horrible at, that's outfit. after years of that's after right. years of absorbing like let's say people talking for him like Captain Lou Albano like right. Kevin Sullivan he absorbed so much that he you know he adapted for the business. And that character for the, the IRS character was so easy to like talk. I think for being Captain Mike Rotunda or even being Mike Rotunda himself, in my humble opinion, TW, he was just I'm not saying he was nervous, but he just knew he had no range. So it was easy for him to talk thirty let's say thirty to forty-five seconds in a varsity club promo, then games right. master Kevin Sullivan took over. Now let's talk about the second 
iteration of the Varsity Club member, the dog-faced gremlin Rick Steiner, who wore those nice college blue and gold Michigan colors, T.W., those are, you know, again, the look of the varsity cup with with uh, Rotunda and and Steiner was so good. It was so fresh to me. It was just it was just a fresh look, in my humble opinion. At being like ten and eleven years old watching this, I like right. the look. It I was engaged with it. But Rick Steiner already had a. Well, let me just say this: Rick Steiner already had a pedigree. He was already he ran with the hot stuff Eddie Gilbert. He ran with the first family with hot stuff Eddie Gilbert and Missy Hyatt. He was already the bruiser. He was already, you know, he was the muscle for the for the first family. So, of course, being in the varsity club, he's the muscle here. Now, here is the same. It's a it's a little bit of a twist. And this is this is the beauty of Rick Steiner's range. First family, he was the he was the bruiser. He was the bouncer, whatever. He was the muscle. Here, and he wasn't he's stupid. And he wasn't, there you go. That's the great thing. He wasn't stupid. Now here, in the developments of the varsity club, this shows you the, the power of the demonics, the of the demonic nature of Kevin Sullivan. He takes this bruiser, he takes this brawler under his wing. He, he you know, and he lets out his, his, his natural abilities in the ring. But psychologically, Kevin Sullivan controls Rick Steiner to be kind of like, not a mute, per se, but just be like almost like a, a an abused dog. I don't know. You know, once he takes him off the leash, he lets him do his thing. So what say you about Rick Steiner's range? Because he changed his character from one iteration to another. I'll tell you what. I'm going to put you in the eyes, in the, in the head, in the mind of a 13, 14, 15-year-old Tommy Wonder. Okay. He, Rick Steiner and Sting were the tag team. Um mm -hmm. Eddie Gilbert was the guy always chasing Chris Adams' TV title. Um, Sting and Rick, I believe, were UWF tag champs and either lost them to Fantastics or won them from them, whatever. So that's why I'm a big Fantastics guy. These are all UWF stuff, right? DiBiase yeah. and, and, and Dr. Death and Duggan, those guys are all on top for the, for the heavyweight one-man gang. Um, and these guys are the undercard, but to me, they stole the show. And... Almost like that TV title for UWF was the IC title at the same time for WWF, you know. So it's, it was something like it was almost like people knew like the secondary belts were the were the workers' belts, right? So mm -hmm. Rick Steiner was somebody who came across as a bouncer at a bar, you know, who would bust your ass. And Sting came off as like he was from Mad Max, which little did I know, it's because he started off as a Road Warrior ripoff, which. They're from Mad Max, Road Warriors, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so when Rick Steiner is with Eddie Gilbert and and WCW, you start seeing that little kid, like eh, you know, like Braun is kind of that way now. Where, but he's he's kind of a hybrid of Rick and Scott. He's kind of loopy, but also a badass like Scott was, right? right. So, so you see it, and then when he ends up teaming with the Varsity Club. It's like, it's George the Animal Steel is what he basically is, right? But could mm -hmm. also whoop your ass. And that was George's gimmick. He's fucking bonkers, but he catches you in that double chicken wing. It's a curtain. You know, it's it's shower right. time. And so I liked it. And to me, this is why I said put you in, in my mind, in my eyes. When I saw that he was fucking loopy, I'm like, 
that's why he's a bad guy, you know, because I thought it was real. Like, he doesn't know any better. And mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you want to talk about it yet, because you, you brought up the second inclination, which led to Rick being booted. Um, Rick winning that TV title from Rotunda and doing the laps like Mick Foley did when he won the world title from, was mm-hmm. it Triple H? Yeah. No, no, it was, uh, it was uh, Rock. The Rock, the Rock, mm-hmm. yeah. When when Rick Steiner won that TV title, and it was done so well, because it was so confusing and chaotic, it almost comes off as Hogan Warrior Halloween Havoc, which never happened. Uh, it's just so shit that you're certain Rick is getting screwed, and then he ends up still winning it. That crowd blew the roof off of whatever that building was, and then he ran them laps like a little kid, and you couldn't help but get caught up in it. And I remember all of it happening. Like this is one of the first times you've had me watch old shit. 88 is when I started watching. That's when I got cable. So mm-hmm. I remember him in that match with the fantastic going, what, why is he? Cause it was the U S title tournament. And he's like, that's why you thought it was my favorite match. Cause this met, this tournament ends with the fantastics versus Eddie Gilbert and Ron Simmons. That's, that's the tournament. So, right. um, so, but when that's going on, you're, you, I'm like, man, how come Rick's not teaming? He's like, hey, why am I not on there? And then it ends up him and Doctor, or he beats up Kevin Sullivan, and then mm-hmm. Doctor Death, and that's how the Fantastics win is because right. of the infighting. But it was just so well done that it, it looked like it looked like it was going to come across like another botch because they lowered mm-hmm. the cage, and that's the thing that disappointed me was because he's back in the fucking Undertaker Ministry robe. When a couple of matches before that, he was just a coach Wait with a, a towel around his neck. For the Reflectionites, TW is talking about Rotunda versus Steiner, Starcade 88 from Norfolk, Virginia at the Norfolk Scope. So we yeah. just try, try to give you credence of what he's talking about. Because, of course, with the spotlight, we're going to go front to back because I'm going to talk. We'll let TW talk about that, but I'm going to go back to the beginning because I want to talk about the iteration and the right. mature, maturation of the varsity. Go ahead, TW. Well, I'm just saying, because it, it was Rick, Rotunda, and, and Sullivan, and then they added Dr. Death, which, by the way, I, that's my version, right? I like those four. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it's not long. Dr. Death never looked better than he did here. Because to me, he was he always looked like, and it maybe it's the singlet hit it, I don't know, but he always looked like a bloated guy. Like, no offense to the 12 that are listening, there's bodybuilders. And then there's fat dudes that lift a lot of weight and call themselves bodybuilders, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what Dr. Death was to me. Like, he, he didn't impress me with his physique. Ted Arcevi, right. on the other hand, was the same shape as Dr. Death, but cut everywhere. Like, there was not... That's a, that's a steroid freak there. That's... For sure. For sure. Like, Dr. Death is corn-fed, like, fucking mm-hmm. farmer fucking right. build, right? But just yeah. massive. But here, he's slim... And like I just saw uh, since I went back to work. Is he? Saw, is he? No, nah, but is he really slim, or is the suit making him slim? I think it's the suit. That's what I'm saying. I think it's a combination of both. Because one other side effect of it is when people lose weight like that, they end up looking taller. And he looked taller than me because he had thinned out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And some of the, but right. but this this Rick Steiner, Mike Rotunda, Doctor Death with Kevin Sullivan. The fact that I don't hate it alone because Kevin Sullivan's a, t- a tie to it tells you how good those three were and to answer your question from the beginning because i never answered it they are absolutely fucking underrated 
there's there's no doubt about it because I wouldn't have even brought them in if you didn't have me watch this to remind me of how good they were. Of course, and that's why I, that's why I am soon, who I am. <laughs> I don't remember how soon the friction started with Rick. Um, I know that was just the, that was the crescendo, if you will. I, we will but we will talk about that. It was right. leading up yeah. to it, and that was just a straw that broke it was, the camel's back. It was but, actually a, a nice 88-year-long story with little Easter eggs, if you will, TW. So I'll explain right. it. But now let's go a little bit back because I want to you know, talk about the maturation of the Varsity Club because, again, Mike Rotunda actually came into this group, and he was already a heavyweight champion, if you didn't know this. He was the Florida heavyweight champion. Like I said, Kevin Sullivan was at Championship Wrestling for Florida, and, of course – they were on their last legs, but it was still a part of the NWA bubble. So, you know, you had your reputation, you know, like, like I said, Barry Windham wrestled in Florida, Dusty Rose Luger. wrestled in Florida, Luger wrestled in Florida. So Mike Rotunda and Rick Steiner both wrestled in Florida and both were the Florida heavyweight champions. So I wanted to give credence and the logistics of it. So now did you say Rick Steiner was, yeah, he was gifted that from Mike Rotunda. Right. Mike Rotunda had the TV title, and he gave right. the Florida so, title to Rick. I was going to ask you what belt that was that he had. Yeah, it was the Florida Heavyweight Champion. So while we talk about this, let's talk about the first, I would say this, TW, because follow me here. Before we talk about the first high-profile match in the Varsity Club's you know, spotlight here, let's look at it from, a, from an 88 landscape. The Four Horsemen is the Four Horsemen. You know, they were, they were about to, you know, bring in Barry Windham and the greatest heel turn ever in wrestling history is, you know, lauded by a lot of people, a lot of wrestling pundits, if you will. But the Four Horsemen was the number one faction, the number one group in wrestling, the number one group in the NWA. There was a gaping hole for number two, TW. Follow me here because, again, the Midnight Express, they do their own thing, and it's it's kind of like a three-man team between, you know, uh, Bobby Eaton, Stan Lane, and Jim Cornette, but that's the trio there. That is not a fucking faction. Go no, ahead. no, no. I'm just saying, like, what what represents, like, the bad guys? You know, what, right. what are the top bad guys? Because right. remember, like, the mid-'80s, you had the Four Horsemen. You had Paul Jones's Army. You had the Russians. You had, like, certain factions and cliques, if you will, T.W., so in 88, there was kind of it was kind of waning down. Paul Jones was kind of teetering off away from – NWA television. So there was room for a faction. Gary, Gary Hart. Yeah, Gary Hart. People weren't taking Gary Hart's army serious, and he was trying his best. So that's why there was a gaping hole for the number two bad group. So that's why I'm trying to say here. Varsity Club kind of took that mantle. And when Tully Blanchard, and I'm going to kind of, you know, time jump here, TW. When Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson left, who was the number one group in NWA? for a short period of time, the varsity club. They were the, you know, they were the strongest heel group. But unfortunately, you know, they didn't have the belts and the reputation that that, that would give them that kind of credence, if you will. So that, I just want to say that because none of them were the heavyweight champion. None of them were the United States heavyweight champion. But, of course, we could talk about the titles. Let's talk about the first one, the biggest high-profile match for the varsity club's, you know, stamp of approval, if you will. TW, I gave you the match for the television title. It was Mike Rotunda challenging the Russian nightmare Nikita Koloff. So, TW, 
you know, Nikita Koloff was going was coming off a high, if you will, in 1987 with Starcade 87. He unified those TV belts, the UW Terry Taylor against Terry Taylor. So, you know, Nikita Koloff was a decent NWA television champion. I don't think again people don't give him the respect when you talk about the TV champion. We always talk about Arn Anderson, Dusty Rose, Tully Blanchard, and stuff like that. A lot of people don't talk you, about how did how it's bad enough you start with Arn, but you you go to Dusty and not Tully second. Come on, I'm, that's Tully's belt. Again, I'm talking Tully's about belt. what the wrestling public, if you will, those names pop up first. Nikita comes up fourth or fifth at best. I disagree. I just oh well, yes, there for sure. But I think there's a reason why. I think the U.S. title is more associated with Dusty and Nikita and Lex Maybe. and Magnum. Uh, and even Barry, but that TV title is Arn Tully. That's it. You people forget that Nikita had it, and I'm still mad that Nikita beat Terry Taylor. Damn it. Okay, but now we can talk about this television title match where Mike Rotunda wins. There's a little bit of chicane, chicanery, a little bit of fuckery here, TW. But it starts the jumping off point, if you will, of the varsity club. What say you about this match? Because again, you said I found you some gems of matches. You did, man. Nikita Koloff, first strings first. When he's in the ring, I'm like, I love Nikita. He, Nikita, and and, and I'm sure I had a problem to us. But I had a problem, TW. What? Follow me here because Nikita went in alone. I, of course, we we always know the logic. You know, the the good guys have to fight off all the odds. But he's part of the superpowers. Where right. is Dusty Rhodes to thwart off Kevin Sullivan? That's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why. They're not taken serious yet. This is the match, like you said, that was mm-hmm. the launching pad for them. This is the match that made everyone know they need to be taken serious. Otherwise, you're losing your belts, right? Because okay, they end up getting with the Warriors over the six, man. With Dusty. Uh, they, they All this stuff, right? So, But I had a problem because... I don't remember Mike Rotunda winning the TV title. So when I'm watching this match, no part of me thinks Rotunda's winning this belt. But all I kept thinking is, Nikita looks mad. Remember I tell you, I tried reading body language when a champion comes to the ring to know okay. whether or not they're dropping that belt. And something told me, Nikita's losing. Like, he looks upset. But I'm like, I have no memories of Mike Rotunda as the world television champion, which also means none for Rick Steiner winning that belt at Starcade. None. Okay. I have no no memory of it because I didn't watch pay-per-views. I didn't have pay-per-view money, and if I did, it was WWE. It wasn't no damn NWA. But um, he still looked great. But it's funny. You see my title belts right here? Mm-hmm. I see it. The belt that I want, because I got the U.S. title, and I got it in black instead of red because red is more Magnum TA. The black is Lex. So I wanted it for Lex. I still haven't bought the world television title. Two reasons. One, I'm afraid it's going to be shitty fucking workmanship like this U.S. title I bought off eBay. However, it looks beautiful just hanging there. Look, mm-hmm. look, look at it hanging there. It looks beautiful. So the other reason is I've been on the fence because I don't know if I should get it in red or black. You can get it in black where the back is red, but then you don't see it if it's hanging like it's going to be hanging next to that one. But you, but want, the tully, you want the tully one. You need the red one. Once I saw Nikita with that TV title in black, I went, it's red. I have to get the red because it didn't look like the TV title to me when he had okay. it on. Because mm-hmm. they, I don't know if you notice this, if you look at the design, that TV title, the shape of it, was also the North American title, which mm-hmm. why do you have a North American and a U.S. title? It makes no damn sense. I guess it's bigger, but 
the North American or the Mid-Atlantic, whatever the hell that belt was called that Tully also had. That, the TV title, the AWA tag titles, and then one other belt, they all were the exact same design, but the AWA, NWA was the difference, right? But the right. shape and everything else. So when I saw Nikita with that black TV title, I went, it's red. It, and because I got the black U.S., I want the red TV. It, it's only, my mind has been made up because you had me watch Nikita versus Mike Ritzanda. I'm glad I changed your mind. On Thank you. No, you settled it. You didn't change oh. it. I was I was undecided, and you oh, okay. you, you you steered me in the right direction by showing me a match where he had the black TV title. Did not look like the TV title on Nikita. Granted, we're watching YouTube where everything looks like a fucking fuzzy bag of shit, but I still saw the TV title, and I'm like, yeah, it just doesn't have the same allure as as a, a black leather belt. Whereas the U.S. title. Both of them look good to me. And if anything, the red looks less good to me. This is mm-hmm. my favorite color. But red TV, black U.S. And that, like, I regret getting the white and yellow ICs. I wish I would have got the black ICs. I get you. So, I get you. With, so if I you get... want to trade me, you buy a black one, trade you for the white one. I'm not the belt collector like you are. I'm the shirt collector. So that's, the, that's as far as I'll go. So let, let's, let's look at this match in a different landscape. I'm going to kind of be a sarcastic Nick picker here, TW. Now, look at the optics. You got the All-American boy from Syracuse being booed out the building against the Russian, the commie. You in know, 88. The, in 88. So, you know, the optics don't look good, but, of course, they made it work for, you know, because Dusty Rhodes put him over. But you look at this match, it, it did with, it did go on for at least 20 minutes. You know, it had its rest hold in here, here and there. So let's say, you, TW, because, again, Mike Rotunda was already the Florida heavyweight champion. He had a territorial champion. So, you know, getting this opportunity to become the NWA television champion is a great step up. You know, he went from ter- territorial to now a, a very prestigious you know, national platform championship, no matter what you want to call the television championship, what what say you, TW, about that? Because now he's moving up on the card, if you will. And then we'll talk about something else within the varsity club history. Yeah, I mean, that was the, that was the hierarchy. TV title, U.S. title, world title. U.S. tag title, world titles. Six-man mm-hmm. championship, we got nothing for you guys. We don't want people to forget about you, so we're going to throw some superstars together while they're not chasing the belts. I've always thought that was the perfect belt. The one belt the WWF needed was the six-man belt so that it would explain why these guys who are normally fighting for belts aren't fighting for them because they're busy defending that one. But going back to Rotunda, the world TV title, I'm trying to think, like, if you look at today, what, what belt do you think has more prestige in WWE now, the U.S. or the Intercontinental? Mm. I think they're the same. Yeah, it's the same. They're nothing. They're fat nothing burgers. It doesn't matter right. who has it. doesn't lead to anything. Um, and I think it was ruined once guys like The Rock, Triple H, and Austin lost the world title and then went and won the Intercontinental title like it was the fucking tie them over. That's where they could have used the six-man title. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. but, but in the 90s, they did do a good job of putting the belts on Sean and Austin. As, that was a nice little storyline. They were enemies but tag champs. So they did end up making the tag. I, I actually disagree with you. I don't mind a heavyweight champion going down. That's the way. That's the, That was the beauty of the NWA. If Dusty Rhodes wasn't the heavyweight champion, he could go after the U.S. title or he could go after the TV title. 
the person right. makes it important. That's the right. that's the thing. No, that's the beauty. No, the, no, the fucking booking makes it important because well, too- you're you're telling me you don't like Austin Theory or Bobby Lashley. Not necessarily you, but people, right? You love to hate Austin Theory. You love to cheer Bobby Lashley. Uh, Lashley. Uh, I don't even know who the fucking Intercontinental Champion is right now. Is it not Gunther. Nakamura? Gunther. God, there you go. All right, but. It used to be when you won the Intercontinental title, like, oh, this guy's going on the world title aspirations because the, the belt didn't change hands like underwear. It just, mm-hmm. it's just, it isn't. But, but back then, the TV title was for the up and comers, and they even did it. Remember when they changed the, the design of the belt, and then like William Regal and Alex Wright, and guys like that were fighting for it. Yeah. Before they went on to fight, it was still an hierarchy, right? Um, and yeah. Occasionally, like I don't mind when Ric Flair won the well, Intercontinental like, yeah, title. That, that's the thing; they leveled it off in the '90s and the '80s. Everybody was going after something. That's why I think it was the beauty of the NWA booking, in my opinion. So it almost retun- depended on the feud. If you were yeah. in a feud with a guy that had the belt, then that's the belt you were trying to get because you're trying to take it from that guy. And in most IC title matches. That's what I think the beauty of it was. Even though Hogan obviously was in feuds, Bundy attacked him, Andre attacked him. Um, but mostly it was just Hogan taking on the biggest guy in the fucking company, body slam him, leg dropping him, and calling it a day. Where Steamboat Savage had six months of legs. Uh, Brett, Mr. Perfect, uh, Brett Austin, Sean mm-hmm. Brett, um, Sean Razor. They, they just they put everything behind these belts, and they didn't win it the first time they fucking tried. You know, they like the first time Steamboat's going for the IC belt, he ended up in the hospital with a broken larynx. That's but that's but again, beautiful. but TW. Mike Rotunda wins the television title from Nikita Koloff. He's right. a former U.S. champion. So right. it's it brings his level up, if you will. Like you but just it said, it brings the varsity. But it, and it brings the varsity club to a respectable level too. But they protected Nikita Koloff in this match because Rick Steiner distracted the referee. And of course, Kevin Sullivan comes from from behind and hits him with, I think, the what, what was that? The, 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 spike. the spike? Yeah, it was the Oriental spike. So, you know, Nikita Koloff loses that way. And now the varsity club is, you know, on the national spotlight, if you will. So that is one of the beauties of it. And, of course, being the television champion, TW, you know that the varsity club is going to get more TV time on Saturday nights at 6.05. Well, you got Butch. Well, you don't got, you know, you don't got the Butch in the right light. Bruiser weight. Because mm-hmm. I'm staring at these belts, and I'm like, I got to let them breathe. That's why we were talking about. So we're okay. talking about title belts. Mm-hmm. So now, TW, I'm going to give you another. We're going to talk about another match that either pe- a lot of people don't didn't know existed. And two, NWA never capitalized because they didn't want to talk about it, really. And it was Mike Rotunda defending the, the television championship. In March of 88, this is one month before Barry Windham turned and turned turn to the dark side and went to the Four Horsemen. So Barry Windham, he, he lost his Western States Heritage Championship, TW, and now is challenging for the NWA Television t- Championship. But the funny thing about this match is, like, there was no credence. And this is the NWA where they talk about history. They talk about, you know, a man's history. They talk about his college, you know, acumen and all that stuff. There was not one mention how these two you know, traveled the road together, were a team. They didn't have to say that they were former WWF tag team champions, but they could have at least said that they were 
you know, Florida in the Florida Championship Florida. Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So what's AETW about that, you know, hiccup or that misstep, if you will, from the booking I, standpoint? I was watching it and thinking the same thing as you. Like, man, like, it's not even, what, four years, five years ago? It was five because it was 85 when they were tag champs. And I told you, I ended up watching a Barry Wyndham shoot interview. It, it was like ping pong, those guys. They were in Florida. They had some heat with Dusty because Dusty said Barry didn't give him enough dates, so he gave him one more, and he said, I'm done after this. Turned in his card and worked for Vince the next day. There was no 30-day mm-hmm. non-compete. And then Rotunda got there, and they knew that those guys were a team down in Florida, and so they like put them together. And they put him over. And and then what, what Barry said was that they were literally traveling 300 days a year, and they would wrestle in fucking Portland, Oregon one night and Miami, Miami Florida the next. So he said they were literally sleeping on airplanes because they had to leave Portland, go to the airport to fly to Miami to wrestle again. And he said okay. it was a fucking miserable life. And so he left and returned to state. And then now they're ending up back together, and you're like, Man, this is much bigger than a TV title, man. This, they, you should be selling this as former brothers battling. You know what I mean? You don't have to mm-hmm. say. You can just say, oh, they used to team up north, you know, because they would do that all the time on WCW Saturday. They always reference WWE as up north, that mm-hmm. place up north, that place up north. They could have said these guys teamed everywhere from Florida to New York with a little wink, wink. You know what I mean? And now right. here they are wrestling each other for the world television title, and they didn't do it. And it was and like this, ma- this match could could have been bigger right. in that light, but they didn't right. make it bigger because it was just another television championship title defense for Mike Rotunda. And of course, he was a, it was another fuckery thing. It didn't matter. But what say you about this match? Because again, these two have such a bond again because of Florida. But of course, you know the connections, you know the the family tree. Because like we will like a lot of reflection. I know. Mike Rotunda has a lineage in wrestling because, of course, you know, his son, he has sons in the wrestling game. He had Bo Dallas in the WWE. And, of course, he has Bray Wyatt or Husky Harris, whatever you want to call him, TW. But he has a lineage. He has a pedigree, if you will, of wrestling line- of a wrestling legacy. What say you about Lore. This? Wrestling lore. That, that's a better word. Go ahead, TW. <laughs> Haven't? They've done some shoot stuff where Mike Rotunda talk today says Barry or Bray Wyatt's dad, right? Mm-hmm. They have done it, but yeah, they they dropped the ball on this one, and and like I said, I'm still I'm watching it, and I'm still dumbfounded the fact that fucking Mike Rotunda was a TV champion because you know when when we're talking about the the the, the windows there for a new heel faction. Mm-hmm. I always thought they just never gave him the ball and let him run with it, but dude, they kind of did because. Like you said, Flair or Flair, Rick's got this damn Florida title. Wyndham's comes in, or not Wyndham, Rotunda's got the the TV title. Then I want to mm-hmm. say they won the six man tag titles with the three of them. No, uh, and then Doctor Death come in and wasn't Doctor Death and Rotunda tag champs at least U.S. They were no, they were the World Tag Team Champions. So Doctor Death and Kevin champions. Sullivan were the U.S. Tag Team Champions. So. Okay, so so they did. They put belts on them, but for whatever reason, because there's there's another there's another faction that's that's I want to say also Rotunda. It wasn't the York Foundation, wasn't he? Michael Wall Street and that. Yes. 
was him, Terrence Taylor, and Richard Morton with, mm-hmm. with Marlena. That's yeah. a faction. That one did fuck all. But yeah. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And it was Ricky Morton in a new light. He slicked his hair back, looked just like Tommy Rich. But uh, he didn't dress like the Rock and Roll Express no more. But mm-hmm. Rotunda, uh, I, I'm not really sure what your question was about his lore. You were, I, you know, you're talking about they didn't bring it up. But, but yeah, that, that dude... Just him alone. We all we all hear about Kevin Sullivan too much, right? Like good, bad, or ugly. He's talked about a lot. Um, Rick Steiner's in the news now because of his son, but I think he's well respected. No, I, I'm saying that Mike Rotunda. You know, people forget that Mike Rotunda's got you know fruits That's of his I mean. loins in the wrestling business with Bo and Dallas and that, Bray Wyatt. But, but even besides that, he has so much of a legacy on his own mm-hmm. that you would think that they would be like this. Bo, at least Bo Dallas, I still do not understand how that guy is not in wrestling. Uh, he was so over in NXT, and even when he did that Bo Lee shit on Raw and stuff, he was over, and then he was just nothing. I don't get it. It happens. I don't get it. Sometimes no, what what works in NXT doesn't work in the main roster. So. No, no, I'm telling you, on Raw, when he got them fucking Bo Lee chants, they were into him. And then I think Hint, when they were the A-team or whatever, him and, and Mr. Perfect Son, how the fuck does that guy not get over, right? You got to, and people, you tell him that he's Mr. Perfect Son and people still don't give a shit. These we're, modern we're, wrestling fans suck. There you go. That's what I was going to say. Wrestling fans suck. The IWC, YWC sucks, TW, because they overanalyze <laughs> and overcriticize everything. So let's talk about one thing here. One of the first main feuds that the Varsity Club hat had in 1988, TW, was Kevin Sullivan's, you know, affinity for Precious. So, of course, he wanted Precious to be his vixen by his side to be part of the Varsity Club. But, of course, Precious is married to gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. And, of course, they had a, I don't know, I I would say from, let's say, March of 88 to July or August of 88, a nice program, if you will, where Kevin Sullivan and gorgeous Jimmy Garvin fought. Not well, some of them he was fighting for the honor of Precious, but he was but Jimmy Garvin was fighting to keep Precious away from Kevin Sullivan. So I gave you one of the matches that started the feud between gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and Kevin Sullivan. It only lasted for about like five or six minutes because it was a storyline building match. It wasn't a pay-per-view match like they did with Tower of Doom. So what say you about this Big, pro, high-profile. Was it a high-profile feud? Because, I, I don't know. I mean, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin is like, to me, and I try to follow this comparison, T.W., like Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man vibe. He's like a C-level babyface. A C yes. and B-level babyface. So but it's, not, it's not really a an A-list high-profile feud, but it's a mid-card feud. It can still sell tickets. It still is endearing. It still is interesting. But yet, eh, I'm a mad kind of guy. What say you about this high-profile feud for Varsity Club purposes? One is fucking Kevin Sullivan, so it's fucking trash. But my favorite Jimmy Garvin is the Jimmy Garvin that feuds with the Von Erichs and loses and has to be their ranch hand. And he's doing all these chores and just bitching about them. That's the Jimmy Garvin that's A-list heel, right? Mm -hmm. Because you want to like him. But you love that he's suffering. Like, you're loving that he's eating his crow, right? But right. the only time I like him as a good guy 
It's him and Michael Hayes. It's the Freebirds. That's it. And that ain't even that long. Mm-hmm. Right? But they end up being good guys because those two together, I, say what you will about the original three Freebirds, Buddy Jack is fucking garbage, and Terry Gordy is, is fucking NyQuil compared to Jimmy and Michael Hayes. The, Jimmy Garvin was every bit as charismatic as Michael Hayes in the Freebirds, not out of it, right? But right. Once he's in the Freebirds, so him here, my problem was, I'm sitting here watching and going, who the fuck is the bad guy, right? I'm like, or I'm sorry, who's the good guy? Because I know it ain't Kevin Sullivan, but I'm like, Jimmy Carvin is kind of always that low-keel heel, the guy you beat when you're new to elevate you to go after somebody a little higher with a belt. And and he and he's great at it, like putting people over and whatever. And when he was a good guy, just like you said, C, C-list at best. Um, yeah. Didn't he turn good because Ronnie Garvin turned on him to turn bad? No, he turned good because Ronnie Garvin got fire thrown at him by the Midnight Express. Okay. And he so, saved his brother. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so that was basically the feud itself. It was the Garvin brothers against the Varsity Club, which culminated Reflection Nights, Great American Bash, 1988, the Tower of Doom. We don't have to talk about it, TW, but I'm just trying to give a chronology of the Varsity Club's high-profile feud because, of course, the Tower of Doom on paper is interesting itself, but the execution and people having problems seeing what was going on in the, in, in the cages up top by the roof was very was stupid. But yeah. they did what they had to do, and of course it was a dusty thing. So didn't they reuse that for Ready to Rumble? Yeah, but but at least that was two thousand. So you know right. they waited a long ass time for that, and there was right. better production to do it. But the feud kind of ended quickly because Jimmy Garvin had contract issues with Jim Crockett Promotions, and, of course, they wrote Jimmy Garvin out. And, of course, Ronnie Garvin wrote himself out. So, you know, the Garvin brothers left the NWA. So, you know, the Varsity Club technically won the feud against Jimmy Garvin by, you know, kayfabe injuring him out of the NWA. So I just wanted to put that out there. Now, let's go back, T.W., to the storyline that you you was kind of hinting on with the Starcade 1988 with the television championship match between Rotunda and Rick Steiner. Let's talk about Rick Steiner here because 1988, the whole year of Rick Steiner was that he looked off in the varsity club because he was kind of like everybody was endeared with Rick He's Steiner. The third wheel. He, he not only he was the third wheel, but he was goofy. He was childlike. He was kid friendly, if you will. And a being, fun governor. Being lovable. He was a lovable, stupid guy that Kevin Sullivan beat up. You know, he, he whipped him like a dog. Yep. Rick, Mike Rotunda, you know, uh, verbally abused him. But when the bell rang, he was there for the varsity club in the beginning. But during the summer months of 88 TW, like the Tower of Doom and all this stuff, Rick Steiner kind of questioned the motives of Mike Rotunda kind of questioned the motives of Kevin Sullivan and he kind of wrestled with his conscience, if you will. Am I in the right group? Hence why in October of 1988, Kevin Sullivan introduces Dr. Death, Steve Williams as the Oklahoma flavor of the, you know, of prestigious universities to the varsity club. And at the point you have another iteration of a four horseman because you got four legitimate badasses 
And like I said, for a time being, because of because of Arn and Tully leaving the NWA because of contract issues, the Varsity Club was the top heel faction group of the National Wrestling Alliance. But what say you about the storyline? Because it, it wasn't like you had a wrestling match. It took a you know it took until November. TW, it took that U.S. title tournament match for Rick Steiner to say fuck the Varsity Club, fuck <laughs> Kevin Sullivan and all that stuff. So what say you about how they? how this was a slow burn that, you know, the fan, you knew as a fan watching it on TV, you was just like waiting. You, you just, you knew it was not a question of if it was going to happen. It was a question of when it was going to happen. What's the ATM about? It was about as well done as anything ever in WCW because like the Steamboat Flair trilogy was fucking just tremendously done. Um, and Rick Steiner was like, by the time he did it, you were so ready for it that mm-hmm. it, it was fucking, you know, the fucking bubble was popped. And like I said, him winning that TV title, that place went banana, as Pat Patterson would say. And he just looked like a kid in a candy store. And the funny thing is, I remember all that, but I don't remember the belt being involved. That's the thing that's weird to me is how do I remember all this? Because- why, why would he run around the ring without a belt, man? Because he was so happy, like, ha, ah, ha, I did it, I did it. Like a little kid, he was, he mm-hmm. was, li- he was living the fucking gimmick, right? So, mm-hmm. but, but, but the thing about it was, he just, like, every time you'd see him, I, I don't know if you heard me saying that, I always over talk over you, but he was fun governored. Every time he was out there trying to have a good time and he would, like, look at little kids, Kevin Sullivan would slap his hand or whatever. So it was almost funny in the beginning, but then it got into, if we were looking at it in 2002 vision, bullying. He was bullied. And then he finally stood up to the bully. And, and, and again, keep in mind, in 1988, you and me both think this shit's real. And when him and Dr. Death and Kevin Sullivan are fighting outside the ring, you think, fuck yeah. And it looks like a high school cafeteria fight. It's not mm-hmm. like they're working. They're, they're just beating the shit out of each other, like windmill punches and stuff. And it, it was just, it was so well done. And again, I feel like I, I owe Kevin Sullivan an apology because everything that he ever touches turns to shit. But this didn't. Like, you know what I mean? It was good, again, with one exception. Uh, he's the fucking Ministry of Fear version. Then he's a coach. Then he's back to the Ministry of Fear version. And I just, I didn't like that. But him out there, because he, he looks like a high school coach. You know what I mean? Like a gym teacher, at the very least. If you just mm-hmm. throw a towel around, he's one of them idiots that wrestles with no knee pads, short, stocky. Looks like he was an athlete at one point. Now he's teaching other people how to be able he, to But work. he still has to have that demonic look with the purple robe and stuff like that. But then but with the varsity the, club, he can wear the Syracuse colors and, right. and have a towel around his neck. So it worked right. both ways, in my humble opinion. So. It made him look bipolar uh, is what it made him look. Yeah, but he, he's, a, he's a crazy psychopath. That's, a, that's another great iteration of, of the value of the varsity club, TW. So, you know, with Rick Steiner being that lovable kind of heel for the fans to, to gravitate towards, it all culminated with Starcade 88. But now it was, a, it, was a, it was a foursome, but it was now a trio Ooh. of Sullivan, Rotunda, and now Dr. Death Steve Williams. So, T.W., let me ask you this. Maybe you might be, you know, you always talk about Jimmy Garber is a better incarnation of the Freebirds than the original Freebirds, and I kind of disagree with you there. So which incarnation of the Varsity Club do you like? Do you like the original of Sullivan, Rotunda, and Steiner, or do you like the 
the next wave of Sullivan, Rotunda, and Dr. Dusty Williams. And then we'll talk about certain things in 89. So how long was it, Rick and Dr. Death? Maybe a month? Yeah, basically a month, give or take. That's my favorite version. When all four of them, four of them are there, that's them, you know, good. Because I can't pick between the two. Because I like it. you don't have the Dr. Death version without the Rick Steiner version. Mm-hmm. And the Dr. Death version is better because of how it's eliminated. Like, it's Luger, Wyndham, flip-flop, and horseman roles, right? Like, right. Luger turned on Wyndham first, and then Wyndham turned on Luger, both of them to join the horseman. That was brilliantly done, right? So so I, I'm i going to pick Dr. Death and Rotunda. I'm not going to be a bitch and not make a choice. I'm picking Dr. Death, Rotunda, and Sullivan only because that's when they were more serious, like, you know, mm-hmm. ass-kicking, whereas it was comic relief with Rick Steiner. But also, I have a soft spot for Dr. Death. I can't watch that guy and not think about how he died. I can't do it. You know, you know I mean? I'm a cop. You know, I think mm-hmm. about the guys that are gone every time I watch it. But I just hate how he died. You know, I mean, I hate how everyone dies. But he, like, I was pulling for that guy, man. And, and you know, I thought about it when I was watching it today. I'm like, I'll bet you hacksaw Jim Duggan that this guy's on his third or fourth fight with cancer, and he probably thought when he first got it, like, fuck, man, this is what got Steve. You know, and mm-hmm. it just was sad because he went, like, you hear it all the time. I'm about to tear up, man. You hear it all the time when people talk about their dad. Their dad's John Wayne. He's this big fucking mountain of a man. And then fucking cancer makes you fucking 110 pounds in about 10 minutes. And that was my stepdad. He, he, this dude was just a man's man. And then by the time he passed away, man, I could pick him up and move him like this. And it hurt him when I did it. So I have a soft spot for it. But this is the best. And I'm talking UWF fan. This version of Dr. Death, to me, is the absolute best version of Dr. Death I've ever seen, you know, start to finish. Like, his entire time with the Varsity Club. I like that he made it to WWE. They fucking ruined it with that dumbass brawl for it all. But I like that he still wore the Sooner shit. And I think mm-hmm. Jim Ross brought him in, didn't he? Wasn't that, weren't they tied yeah. together somehow? So I like that he made it there. But by then, he's older, slower, and back to being... You know, a bigger dude, because that's what I mean. Look yeah, at him, Jim, WWF. Jim Ross. Jim Club. Ross always had a soft spot for Doctor Death. UWF Steve love, man. UWF yeah. for life. Of course, of course. Yeah, uh, but I, I would pick that version because that's when, that's when you, you know, your favorite wrestlers, including the Road Warriors, could lose to them. Like he gave them a toughness. I kind. Go ahead. Right. No, I kind of agree with you. I wish that all three of them were better, were together. And, right, and Kevin Sullivan was more of the manager, not right. the wrestler. That's right. the way I liked it because then yeah. they, all three of them could have, you know, Rotunda was going after the television title. You could have had Steiner and, and uh, Williams going after the tag team titles. Or you could have had Dr. Dusty Williams go after the U.S. heavyweight title because he was due for that kind of run because he was the UWF champion. But that's neither here nor there. That's hindsight booking 101 from the professor. Professora. Chabelo de la Professor. Yes. What's it? One word. Professor. I I like the whole professor. That's it. That's it. I want I want I want to fucking send your picture in, damn it. I did. I want to stand (laughs) out from the crowd. That's what it is. But neither here nor there. So let's talk about Twitter. Let's talk about (laughs) 1989 TW with the varsity club because now it goes into a different kind of direction, if you will, because again, the Jim Hurd era, 
you know, people leaving the NWA because of, you know, the backstage financial problems that we didn't know about, but Meltzer knew about, and a couple of hundred of the dirt sheet readers knew about that. So, you know, I'm glad I didn't know about the backstage stuff because then I still watch the NWA no matter what. But now that the direction of the varsity club is kind of weird, Rotunda is trying to cap recapture the NWA television championship from Rick Steiner, so he knew that was a given. But now... Sullivan and Dr. Death are going after the, the United States Tag Team Championships. They eventually get that from the Fantastics. And, of course, their, their next and last high-profile feud is the Varsity Club against the current NWA World Tag Team Champions, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. And TW, they fought from February to about May of 1989. So this was a long feud, if you will. It was a couple of months long. We talk about, we're talking about uh, Shy Town Rumble. We're talking about the Clash of Champions. We're talking about Wrestle War. So they fought each other in different inclinations. Sullivan and, and uh, Dr. Death fought the Road Wars, and then eventually it would become Rotunda and Dr. Death Steve Williams as the NWA Tag Team Champions, which, in my humble opinion, I like that combination better of Rotunda and Steve Williams. I did not like the Sullivan mixture, if you will. Right. That's why I liked him as a coach and manager, per se. That's why I wanted Rick Steiner to stay. So what say you about this feud of 89? Because this was the last major uh, feud of the Varsity Club. Because, you know, the Steiner brothers was was neither here nor there. That was, that was the Varsity Club was doing the job, if you will. So I don't want to talk about the Steiner brothers. I want to talk about this high-profile feud. This is this is an A-list tag team. This is an A-list, you know, character. Uh, babyface character to try to, you know, to, co to coexist with the varsity club. What say you about that? So we skipped something. You had me watch Sting and the Road Warriors versus the varsity club where Sting replaced Dusty. Yeah. And we, we talk about stuff that I keep putting WCW, NWA over. By the way, I miss those NWA crowds. I have to say that. Everyone almost fucking off the charts. The Road Warriors turning on Sting was probably one of the worst turning on a guy uh, ever. Like It made no sense. And then when mm. they explained it afterwards and said, Sting, we had him where we wanted him, and then you put your nose where it didn't belong. Uh, how does it not belong if he's your partner in a six-man tag match for the belt? That was a dusty That was a dusty call, but go ahead. Oh, they, they didn't want Sting as their partner? No, no, that's the way Dusty wanted to book him. Dusty thought it was just time for the Road Warriors to be bad guys for some reason. Right, but that's so they 88. So Sting and Luger over to the next level. Right, and then they beat Lax up. But that's 88, and now all of a sudden I'm watching them versus the Varsity Club, and they're baby faces again. And I'm like, what are they? Were they heels for a week? I'm like, what? Just nobody, nobody believed it or nobody even cared about, like, they didn't want to boo the rewards because their, you, but you their aura was just Hawk too good. Said? Hawk that? ruined it. Hawk ruined it. Because Tony Schiavone goes, hey, did you think about the repercussions? He goes, not only did you turn on the most popular guy in all of pro wrestling, probably, um, but how about all those kids that paint their face like the Road Warriors? You let them down. And he turned around and said, let them down? I didn't let nobody down. Hawk, Animal, he didn't let nobody down. He goes, we did what we always do, crush face. So it made it like his fans go, he's right. They just beat up one more guy, whether it's Sting or the Varsity mm -hmm. Club or Ric Flair. He, was, he told the truth. And and why would you then boo him if he's just like, no, we didn't want Sting there, blah, blah, blah. I do remember that now that you say that. Dusty picked them, and, and, and they said they wouldn't have done it if Dusty was there. 
But mm-hmm. stink, stink, suck his nose in it, whatever. But, but yeah. So when I watched that, and then all of a sudden, here comes the Road Warriors as good guys again in '89, and I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? They're already good guys again. But it's like you said, how many times did Austin get turned bad guy? And next, you know, he's cheered even more because he's playing right. the cowboy hat with the fucking banjo. He's just getting over even more as a heel. And You're listening to the crowd, and you and the crowd directs you to a certain way, and that's why the Road Warriors had to be the the baby faces. So what say you about the feud between the Road Warriors and the Varsity Club in any it's, inclination? It's made, it's made possible because of Dr. Death. Rick Steiner, and I actually have a problem with this match because, A, I can't believe Dr. Death is the guy that takes the Doomsday device, not Mike Rotunda, and B, why not? Once, once the fourth member comes out... Wait, why, why don't you believe that Dr. Death should take the doomsday? Because Dr. Death is 320 fucking pounds and Mike Rotunda is 230. So it, he, he, like when Sting took it, he did the flip. Okay. If, if you notice, Animal does this to guys. When Dr. Death took it, he did he the electric back. chair. He went yeah. back with him. And that's to take care of him. Because if he does the flip and doesn't do it, he's dead. Right? Mm-hmm. So for safety reasons and for legitimacy, uh, I'm sure in the end of night WCW's days, I'm sure Sid Vicious took a fucking doomsday device, but he never should have. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nash should have never taken one. Scott Hall should have never taken one. Scott Hall took the Steiner Brothers Bulldog, and that's fine because he's up in the air and he just jumps forward. But to just get decapitated... And then also the Road Warriors did one of the absolute worst fucking team moves ever, which is called the Double Goozle by the Midnight Express. And then those fucking rip-off artists, uh, Fuck the Revival, they steal it. They do the version of the Double Goozle. Uh, the Ultimate Undisputed Era does a version of it. Animal and Hawk run from separate ropes, and they both clothesline Dr. Death. One in the face, one in the back of the fucking head. Which You're supposed to go one high, one low. Mm-hmm. And it just—it was just not a good match, and I think the Varsity Club won, right? No, it ended no, in a, in ended a double disqualification. Dusty finished because the guy who I knew there was one more Varsity Club member came out and started beating the shit out of who? Special Nik- guest referee Nikita Koloff. Nikita Koloff with fucking. Well, hair. let me let me explain the to the reflection. Let me explain to the reflection that's in a desperate attempt from Jim Hurd and the end of way to keep the Varsity Club relevant. They added another member, but there was a problem with this. They added Dan, Dan Spivey, which is not a problem to me. He's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, 305 pounds. He has a good look. But the problem was he didn't wear the Georgia colors. He didn't wear like a Georgia wrestling suit to keep up with the image of the varsity club. He just wrestled in his basic black garb which made no sense. It just made him look like more of a mascot to me, TW, instead of a, you know, one of the members, one of the pillars, if you will, of the varsity club. What say you about the, He's not basically, only the pick of, of Spivey, but the look of it. it, it horrible. It's, it's the fucking shark jumped is what it is. Um, a they jumped the, the shark gear. with Spivey, you said? Yes. Okay. He, a doesn't wear the gear. Cause that was the one thing where you can make the exception. It actually gives credence to, it being Sullivan and uh, Dr. Death or Dr. Death and Rotunda or when Steiner was there, any kind of inclination. Because they all wore a singlet representing their school, but they were wearing the same gear but just different colors. 
Mm-hmm. Spivey just comes out looking like he did when he replaced Barry Windham to be part of the American Express, U.S. Express. And it was like just no effort made, which tells you his heart wasn't into it. So if his heart's not into it, it's not going anywhere. Um, and then also, he just sends it in his body and everything. I thought you were going to tell me there's only one problem. He fucking dropped out of high school. He never went to college. But um, he's just like basically Jack Victory waving the flag for him. He, he didn't even dress like the sheep herder. Sometimes he did. He'd wear camouflage pants. But other times, he'd just be wearing black pants and a fucking T-shirt with the British flag or whatever the hell that flag was and just mm-hmm. waved the flag and didn't look like he could be a third guy in there like the Freebird rule, right? New right. Day looked like they'd be the three-guy rule. Uh, the Bur- original There was, a, there was a lack of... Yeah, you're right. There was a lack of chemistry continuity. with Spivey yeah. and continuity yeah. with uh, with Spivey in that. And after the debacle at WrestleWar 89, Reflection Nights, you know, again, the Varsity Club stock went, was plummeting, plummeting, plummeting because they never got the tag team titles back. They were stripped of it, and people kind of broke away from the Varsity Club not and it wasn't really explained right because Spivey, they were stripped of them. Yeah, they were stripped. That was a that was some that was a Jim Hurt thing because then they they did the the tag team tournament where the Freebirds actually won the tournament. But abbreviating shit against the Samoan SWAT team. Spivey, I don't know, was loaned off by by Sullivan to Teddy Long to create the skyscrapers, and then you know again they try to. They try to do things on the on Saturday night TW with Dr. Dusty Williams and his problems within the varsity club. He breaks away, so they try to do the Dr. Death versus Mike Rotunda feud. That was kind of like a C-list feud. And, of course, um, Kevin Sullivan and then Rotunda did the job or did the honors for the emergence of a new tag team coming up on the scenes, and that was the Steiner brothers. So with that being said, TW, let's put a bow on the varsity club again i guess i'm gonna ask you the same question but well you know before i even actually put a bow on this let me just give a little credence because there was a reunion of the varsity club in 1999 you was wrestling in, in your you know in your michigan tours if you will but in nitro i believe it was november of 1999 tw they reunited to join with hacksaw jim duggan as they feuded the revolution of Shane Douglas, Chris Benoit, Harry Saturn, and Dean Malenko. So, which you know, the, the crowd popped for Sullivan and uh, Rotunda and Rick Steiner coming back, and they were wearing their singlets. But then in Starcade 1999, they betrayed Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I don't need to get into that. And again, they disbanded in 2000. So there was a reunion. I remember none I just of that wanted... shit. So now I'm gonna go watch it. You forgot about the reunion of the Varsity Club in 1999 on Monday Nitro? I'd have to fucking know about it to forget about it. I had no idea. <laughs> None. Well, you, you was wrestling on the weekends. UWF Strong, baby. Doug and Rick and fucking, uh, I don't know if Rotunda and Sullivan were there. But but I, I think, yeah. But I think, TW, this is why I give credence to that because even though it was 1999 and even though, you know, Nitro was losing the the Monday Night War ratings against Raw, the pop for the for the Varsity Club was still strong there. So it reiterates to me, TW, why they should be top 10 greatest factions of all time. So put a bow on the Varsity Club but and no, we'll get we out of here. do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. DX, NWO, Four Horsemen are at the top. There's, there's no fucking ifs, ands, or buts. No one's going to disagree with that, even if you don't like them. 
And by NWO, I mean the motherfucking first version, not the fucking every guy on Raw or Night. Mm-hmm. Um, Hogan, Hall, Nash, and X-Pac, six. That version is fucking tits, right? right. Four Horsemen, any of the ones up to Sid for me, before Sid for you. Um, I actually think one of the worst Horsemen versions is the one with Ole. I, I gave a fuck about him. Once Lex was in there, all in. Once Barry was in there, all out, because I hated them because of what they did to Lex. And then when Sid was in there, Ah oh, shit! It's, and Barry badass. Subject- no, but you're right. It's no, very no. subjective in everybody's list. I'm just saying right. that a lot of people just but won't those put the three up there. I would put the Hard Foundation four, the 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 heel Hard Foundation. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. The Brett Owen, Neidhart, uh, Pillman, and Bulldog. Um, I would put them four. I'd have to say the Freebirds. Well, the fucking Von Erichs are they a fucking faction? Shit. They're a family, um, yeah. They're a family. My my problem with the Heenan family and the Dangerous Alliance is it, it changed so much that, like, what which one is it? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, Andre, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, and the Brain Busters is fucking balls. That's that's tremendous, right? I don't even know if Andre was even in it anymore at that the point. The reason but. why people put the Heenan family on a, high, on a high plateau is because of the patriarch. It's Heenan. No matter right. who he represents, yeah, but Heenan uh, is the uh, anchor. Rude, Mr. Perfect, and fucking the Brain Busters are fucking awesome shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if those four are your guys, but they all said Haku, fucking Dino Bravo. Fuck, I don't know if Bravo's there. He might have been with Jimmy Hart. But, you, you know, it's just such Heart a revolving door. The, you even talk about the Hart Foundation, but the Hart family with Jimmy Hart. The Jim, Jimmy Hart is the patriarch of the Hart family. Yeah, so but, no matter what but, iteration but, but that's he what I mean. had. The Hart, the Hart family is more along the lines of fucking... Captain Lou Albano, they weren't all together at one point. He just had a fucking shit ton of people over the years. But and that's the same counts. with Jimmy Hart. No, the faction is when they're fucking all together. They're, they're together. They're, whether or not... The, the varsity club manager, should be higher. It should be five. I, that's, what I'm, that's why I said they're absolutely in the ten. Because okay. they were together at, at a point. So hearts, free birds. And I, I would, you know what? I would say the Von Erics are a family because they fucking died so fucking often. They were never all together. I, I know that sounds terrible, but it's true. It is. Um, it's an ugly truth. Um, and then, well, fuck Hot Stuff Hyatt International. You had fucking John Tatum, Eddie Gilbert, Missy Hyatt, Rick Steiner, Sting, and then Terry Taylor joined them. That's a pretty fucking awesome faction. But I would put them more towards 9 and 10. Maybe bumped off to eleven for that. Don't matter. forget mine, the triple threat of ECW. Yeah, them, the triple threat. Um, then, then you know you're gonna have the smart ass to say the Bullet Club, but that's another one to me that everybody and their brother was a member of. Pick a version of it, and maybe I'd agree. Because to me, Undisputed Era is on that fucking list, and they might even be when it's all said and done, if they actually get their shit together and stop being fucking hurt, if they do more shit in AEW, they might even rise to the top because they would have been in two different places together. You know what I mean? They, and the shield. They, a lot of people put and the, the shield, shield up there. Yeah. Yeah, so. And the fucking Nexus. The before. Oh, no, no, no. Nobody puts Nexus anywhere. In the no, I'm saying they're oh. a fucking faction. I'm, yeah. I, I, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just uh, the way. Um, I like the way, but I don't think they're around long enough to – to be top the top twenty, obviously we're struggling to get ten. I, but, I think uh, I think TW we give we gave a good reason to put Varsity Club higher on people's list, or yeah. just put that put the name there in your mouths, if you will. You know, wet the mouths of of wrestling fans to say, oh yeah, the Varsity Club did certain things. 
the reason why I don't think they get like higher on the list, like you could talk about DX, right? TW, you could talk about the NWA. You can you can even talk about the Bullet Club. You know what those factions had? A world champion. The four horsemen, right. a world right. champion. Varsity Club didn't. The television champion is good, but it was a C level belt. If they got a higher plateau right. singles belt, we'd be having a different discussion. And with that You're being right. said, TW, we close on a on this pro wrestling spot. Oh, you got something to close out with. Put a was bow Terry, on. Was Terry Gordy or 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 Michael Hayes ever the world class champion? No, Terry Gordy was the UWF heavyweight champion. There you go. There's this world title. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the Freebirds were tag champs. Yes. So there you go. They, there it is. There's their there's their pedigree. Mm-hmm. Um, who who was in AWA? They have any fucking factions? The <laughs> the Diamond Exchange, Diamond Dallas Page. Oh yeah, the fucking Diamond Exchange. Johnny B. Bad, Diamond Stud. Uh, well, that's WCW. Uh, the Diamond Exchange no, no, was no. Coral- I'm, I'm, sa- I'm oh. saying oh. that one. There was Johnny B. Bad, Diamond mm-hmm. Stud, uh, DDP. The is that it? The Freebirds. And the Freebirds. Mm-hmm. The good ones. The, just the two of them. Yeah. That's a good faction. That's a good fucking faction right there. Well, with that being said, Reflection Nights, we close on this pro wrestling spotlight here on the PWSL Networks at PodBeam.com. What? Uh-oh. Dangerous Alliance had Rick Rude, Austin, and the Enforcers all at the same time. Absolutely. So, again, TW, you know, we... If we if we we keep naming factions, we're gonna be here forever. So with that being said, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. But before you do, the one, do not say the name because they're on a timeout. <laughs> All right, I was gonna ask you if they did it. All righty. So our shit is at PW Reflection on the Twitches at PW Reflection. Um, Big Ray Hernandez can't do it without him. He's at Big Ray Hernandez on the Twitter. I'm at Tommy Wonder 19 or at the Tommy Wonder, um, which is also my TikTok. And Tommy Wonder 19 is also my Instagram. My Snapchat is number one and it's dying a slow death. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Obviously, there's two versions of that. That one will take you to Tom Bryant. Then there's an actual Tommy Wonder one as well, which I made as the burner account for all suspensions. Except they figured it out, and they both get suspended at the same time anyway, so oh, it doesn't boy. matter. Uh, then we have BigVetoBrand.Wixsite.com, Patreon.com, backslash the Big Veto Brand, and you can you can go to there to get more content from those guys. And I got a, I got a name drop for a second because we brought up the match. I probably said this before, but Bobby Fulton is my friend on Facebook, not because we're friends, but because mm-hmm. I, 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 his real name, I'm not going to tell what that is. If you know what it is, you can be his friend too. Uh, but I'm not, you know, shilling for him. He's he's a really good guy. He's a Christian. He's like me. But real real humble guy talked to him. He was going through cancer recently and whatever. Um, but he had he had talked about something on a post and I wrote in there and I said, Man, I said, Fantastics versus Eddie Gilbert and Ron Simmons in the US title final is one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen in my entire life. I remember to this day. I think I told you it had the overhead cam like the mm-hmm. TLC match had back then. I said everybody was cheering for everybody. Like, you, there could be no loser in that match, right? You're you're bummed out for the loser, but just as happy for the winner. And you know what he said to me? He said, dude, thanks a lot, man. He goes, that's one of my favorite matches ever. But, hell, can't tell Cornette or, uh, or Jim Ross that. I guess Jim Ross and Cornette or Jim Ross, I don't think it would have been Bischoff because he wasn't around yet. But no. they, they say that's one of the worst matches they've ever seen, both of them. And I'm like, because they were booking go, it more. They they were on that committee. And I said to 
to him back, I said, seriously? He's like, yeah, it just goes to show you they don't know everything. And I go, not at all. I go, that, that, that match gave me goosebumps, man. That was the match on that card that I looked forward to the most, right? Like, I don't even know what the main event was for that show. I, and that might have been the fucking opener, the, the first match. I think that was the first match of Starcade 88 with the, the finals of that. I thought it was Clash of the Champions. It was, it was Clash. Because I never watched a pay-per-view for WCW, ever. It was either Not Clash, that. Christmas Chaos, of it was Clash. or Starcade. It was Clash. And the they reason won the why it, it wasn't highly regarded, and I don't want to go into this, but I right. think it was just the optics because it was just four baby faces, and it right. just didn't work. It, but it fantastic. fucking did. No, no, it just didn't work visually because, again, because Eddie Gilbert was not being the full-fledged heel. Ron Simmons wasn't being a full-fledged heel, so it was hard to, to right. like, hear but from me, Fantastic. But me as a fan in my living room, I was going bananas for all four men. I didn't, I, I didn't know who I wanted to win, and the audience was the same way. And then when it ended, the audience was fucking exhausted because they were into either – it was a – you know what? I'm gonna watch that motherfucker they, right they now. They were. They want. Well, the reason Cornette, I think, and Ross didn't like it is because of the expectations of what they wanted out of the Fantastics. They wanted them to be like the Rock and Roll Rock Express, and, Roll Express, and they sure. couldn't live well, up then, to that moniker. Then fucking so booking the versus Freebirds at the end of the fucking match. Not the it, damn. It is. Other it baby is what things. it is. I'm not saying that Bobby, you and Bobby Fulton are, are wrong. I'm just saying I'm just giving the other side of the spectrum. But that my Twitter is pwsoprof. That's pwsoprof. <laughs> And, of course, if this gets uploaded by 8-Track Brown, the dirtiest of the city, this might end up on the YouTubes. I might be frozen, but so what? It doesn't matter. And, of course, follow my brothers in arms, and that's that's the UK title, and I don't know who else that was you holding, but... Jon Snow. Jon Snow. But follow my brothers in arms. Billy Ray Valentine, the man with the documents, the man who knows what's going on behind the scenes with the Democrats and the Republicans at Obi-Wan, you know me. And, of course, the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at 8-Track Dastardly. I don't know what we're going to do next week, TW. We might go episodic. We might do a rivalries. We might do another spotlight. So keep, I'll keep you on your toes, TW. I'll keep you on your toes. And with that right. being said, I'm going to give you some well ahead of time notice. Okay. Uh, when the hockey season starts back up, mm-hmm. at least once a month and one month twice, I can't record on the day we record. I can switch to Wednesday, but I have season tickets for the Red Wings for 11 games. And... Four of them are on Tuesdays. Then we'll do. Then we'll do the Wednesday. So don't okay. worry. We, we, will, right. we will figure this out. And with that being said, I'm El Professor. 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 I like it better. Professor Chabella de la Croix. No, uh, no, I like it. I like it. Shut up. So, so it sounds like you're catching dicks in an alley. It's not good, but it's Professor. Okay, El Professor Chabella de la Croix, and that is the. The Iron Stomach one, Tommy Wonder, Tommy Wonder saying, saying good night, and we'll see you next time here on the PWR Podcast here at the PWR Networks at PowerBeam.com. Look at Michigan fight song, and I'm a state fan. Oh, shit. That didn't sound like it. Steiner Brothers.